Some new StatsCan numbers came out late Thursday that are sobering, disturbing on hate crimes in this country. Detailed analysis on the number of hate crimes in 2020 shows them rising by 37% overall in 2020 from 2019, making it the worst year for hate crimes since data collection began in 2009. Crimes targeting race or ethnicity almost doubled in 2020. Here's Don Kelly of the Canadian Press. 2,669 hate crimes were reported to police in the first year of the pandemic, the highest number since the agency started keeping track back in 2009. Hate crimes targeting race or ethnicity rose 80%, with hate crimes targeting East or Southeast Asian people skyrocketing by 301%, and those against Indigenous people soaring 152%. Hate crimes targeting religion declined for a third year in a row, with Jewish and Muslim Canadians still the most common targets. Don Kelly, The Canadian Press. A 301% increase in police-reported hate crimes against East and Southeast Asian Canadians compared to the previous year. And because StatsCan only looked at hate crimes reported to police, those numbers are almost surely an undercount of the actual number. Joining me now is Amy Go, president of the Chinese Canadian National Council for Social Justice. Thank you for being here tonight. You're most welcome. I, I gather that although these numbers, the increases are I, you know, astounding to many, I imagine that you aren't particularly surprised about the huge jump that we've seen. Not really, um, because of what we are we've been hearing from across the country, from partner organizations, and actually, uh, two partner organizations have been still collecting uh, data uh, from individuals who have either experienced hate themselves or have witnessed hate. So, in fact, a new report will be coming out soon. Uh, so, I'm not going to divulge all the data, but but consistently, we are seeing an increase in hate, targeting Chinese and Asian, East Asian Canadians across the country. I guess when we looked at, at, at some of the numbers, there, it seems to have started to happen at a specific time, at least according to the StatsCan numbers, that it was there was a bit of a, it, a real spike, mm-hmm. uh, just a ways into the pandemic. Is that what you're seeing as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually, I have to say that the Throughout the pandemic, from the beginning, even at the initial sort of like when the pandemic was just named, you know, or or called uh, by WHO and all that, we already saw the increase. But I guess there is one one area that we noticed is the the community response. You know, as the incidents increased, as media started to report on them, and, and as well as the awareness Becoming, becoming more and more um, sort of prominent within the Canadian community, within particularly East Asian communities. I think more, of course, hate incidents are rising, but also more and more community members are willing to come up and report. Right. I think that's another um, main factor why you are seeing uh, that consistent spike during particular time. But in fact, what we've been hearing is that since day one of the pandemic, people have been targeted, people have been, you know, experiencing uh, direct hate attacks, uh, verbal taunting online, you know, um, hate messages and all that. But I think it's whether people are more willing to report, I think that's also contributed to see that spike. Because again, I, I get a lot of the media reporting uh, cites one Angus Reid survey yes. um, from July 2021 that showed 
that half of Asian Canadians had suffered discrimination over the past year, and that was in July of 2021. What sort of incidents are we seeing? I, I mean, I think it's important for listeners to understand what it is these incidents look like and who is being targeted. Mm-hmm. So what we've been seeing is from verbal taunting, from, you know, go back to China, um, you bring the virus, you know, just like my niece working in the hospital as a doctor treating a patient with COVID, telling her that she's the virus, you know, all the way to physical assault. And we see that um, and also a lot of an increase in online hate messages. And the, the physical assault particularly are targeting the most vulnerable, the women, the seniors, and younger people. To us, that's why so cowardice, these you know, racists, these people who harbor such hate, they would target particularly those most vulnerable to, to express their hate and express their racism. And um, and these assaults actually could also include, you know, the physical contact, right, could include uh, spitting um, all the way, of course, to hitting my own sister walking down the street to work as a lawyer of a community legal clinic uh, was spat at by a group of young, young white men on the street of Toronto. Yes, spat at. Good thing they missed her, you know, and and my own brother, who is a senior walking with a cane. Somebody threw something at him. Good thing they missed him. So it's not like, you know, so to me, it's like they target, they think the most vulnerable, right? Women, senior, and, and they laughed and they, and they ran. And I imagine this is a story when you speak to other people, um, this is a story that you're hearing consistently. Absolutely. And the other thing is that, in fact, racism, right? Racist bullying, taunting, uh, verbal, you know, abuses, all that are not new. Um, when we talk to community members across the country in the last two years, all the way from, you know, from young children to parents to seniors to uh, adults and to newcomers, as well as uh, Canadians who were born here, could be third, fourth generation or, 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 or professionals who work in, in healthcare settings. Many, I would say, overwhelming majority had a story to tell about their experience growing up you know, being targeted because they're Asian, being targeted because they're Chinese and the racist bullying and, and in fact, also physical t- attack happen. And um, and many of them, you know, it's it's th- that's why it's such a triggering event for them during the last two years of the pandemic, where such a rise of physical as well as first verbal attack really uh, further traumatized their past experiences and their lived experiences of being Chinese or being East Asian in Canada. I'm speaking with Amy Goh, president of the Chinese Canadian National Council for Social Justice about new Statistics Canada numbers released today that showed a 37% overall increase in hate crimes in 2020 over 2019. Uh, When we come back, we'll discuss what can be done to try to at least stem the tide of these hate crimes and what sort of impact do these statistics, do these realities have on people trying to make a life for themselves in this country? We'll be back with that.
I'm back with Amy Goh, president of the Chinese Canadian National Council for Social Justice. We're talking about new Statistics Canada numbers released late this week, showing a 37% overall increase in hate crimes in Canada in 2020 over 2019. Uh, specifically in areas such as BC, there was a big jump. And one of the communities that felt the most targeted or was reported being the most targeted uh, was the Asian, Asian Canadians. I, I guess this does have an impact on quality of life, no matter what people want to say about how many people, you know, how welcoming Canada can or cannot be. This must have an impact on the conversations people have about whether Canada is a good place to live. Absolutely. You know, we pride ourselves as being a multicultural uh, country. We welcome diverse communities from around the world this really challenges our uh, the collective you know the collective identity of being canadian um and and really has an uh, the impact and as i mentioned because the truth is that we have had you know, to live with racism and to live with that kind of marginalization and shunning, you know, um, for for generations, right? And the the pandemics just basically exacerbates all that. And what is the impact is that the message consistently is that you foreigners, you don't belong, regardless of how many generations and how many years and how many, you know, uh, how how much we have contributed, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. You just don't belong. You will always be seen as foreigners. And so you can imagine communities like ours, you know, who who built a home here, who wanted to feel safe and secured in our home, in our family, and we cannot enjoy that. We will never be treated as equal. So you can imagine that devastating impact on our identity and on our sense of belonging, on our sense of security and safety. It's 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 tremendously, tremendously traumatizing for us. Is there any um, what do you think the willingness of community members to step forward and report these incidents shows? Does it show anything positive? I think reporting itself is a positive thing. That's why I said, you know, to see the spike, to see the consistent is about just like, you know, other right. The, the gender based violence against women. Right. You know, yeah. you do see increase in reporting, which is, of course, it's bad to continue to, to that we will have to deal with that kind of uh, violence. But at the same time is that, you know, and hopefully people who are suffering all these injustice and, and violence are now coming up and say, I'm not going to put up with this. I want to deal with this. I want help. I want support. I want somebody to deal with this. Right. So I think that to me is a positive. And without that, without people coming up and say that we want this stopped, we want this, you know, to, to, to be recognized as a societal issue. Without that, we cannot move forward. So, of course, then the it's like now, OK, we're coming out and report. What are we collectively going to do with all the people who are coming out and say we need collective action against this. And that is the bigger question that we all need to ponder and we need all to to come up with answers. The government, the federal government had a a law proposed uh, back before the last federal election, Bill C-36. We hear it's going to be reintroduced in some form. What what were your thoughts on, on that law and how effective it could be? 
in fact, even we community groups have been challenging those uh, the provisions, including us, right? But we do see that as at least a step forward. Like it's about time that we acknowledge the online hate, the 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 proliferation of extremism, of hate, of marginalization, and of course attacks online have to stop. And how do we do that? And legislation, of course, is a big piece of that. So that we would hold social media companies or the corporations accountable. So that we would, first of all, recognize this as a societal problem that government has to pay a role to stop it. At the same time, we also need to uh, come up with effective measures that truly would hold these companies, you know, responsible as well as accountable. I'm, you know, that that legislation, of course, is only the first step. And there are still many, many that we that has to be done. And we hope that while bringing the legislation back is not bringing it back just as it is. Bringing it back is to listen to the community groups that have been asking for more uh, stringent provisions and and more uh, effective measures to open that conversation up, to allow that revisions, to allow those strategies to be included. I think that is more important. Because right now there is no such thing as a hate crime. Is there, I mean, within Canadian law, it's not defined as such. Exactly. And that obviously, I mean, at least you, by changing that, at least you send a message to the most egregious examples. You set you set an example of those who would who would break those laws the most egregiously. It, that, exactly. It's- do you have exactly. Faith? So, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So exactly. Right. You know, so we don't have like what's the definition of hate and hate crime. And and we do have hate crime provisions in some, you know, in some jurisdictions and, and some police forces, but not all. Right. So but to have that in place is, again, just, you know, again, a step forward. But of course, you know, then it's the enforcement side. And then I you know, when it comes to enforcement, I just also want to say that many communities groups, particularly the Black communities and as well as Asian communities, have a very, very, you know, troubled history and relationship with the police enforcement and the justice system. So we have to recognize that. We have to recognize that that systemic inequities and injustices that we have experienced. And so dealing with hate crime should not be just looking at it from an enforcement side, right? So I really, really want the government to think about rather than defining it, we really have to look at many other strategies to prevent them and to come up with more effective community responses to to stop it. And it's not just through enforcement of of agencies that so far, unfortunately, have not been um, able to build that kind of trust with the communities because of its own systemic problems. I have about a minute left, 30 seconds, a minute. Um, are you optimistic that by shining a bright light on these issues that they will, in fact, get better? 
of course, there, it, we, knew, we always need to shine lights on issues, right? But unfortunately, what I'm seeing is like Asian, uh, Asian hate is like flavor of the month, right? <laughs> when there's a spike and then you hear that and good things stats can, came up with this report and then we get a few media to come in like you. Thank you for, you know, shining the light and consistently, you know, pushing the government and to have those voices of, uh, of advocacy, right? Uh, to pressure us, the government, as well as collectively to do something. Otherwise, you know, I'm very concerned that once the limelight is gone, one, you know, that this is no longer the flavor of the month, again, back to things that normal, that nobody talks about it and nobody is going to do anything about it. That's always my fear. Obviously, I, I hope that's wrong, but you're, if history is any lesson, you're right to be, you're right to be concerned. Amy Go, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you so much. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.